play, but we are in a new message series um, titled The Seven, and uh, I'm excited to get into this. Um, we are looking at the book of Revelation in the first three chapters, and we're going to look at the seven churches in the book of Revelation, and let's, just, let's take a moment to pray. Let's take a moment to pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. Thank you, Lord, for this day. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to dive into your scriptures. I pray, God, that you would bring them alive. I pray, God, that you would minister to us, God, that you would, you would unveil the truth, God, and help us to walk in them. God, bring conviction, bring challenge, but also bring your blessing and your direction. Thank you, Lord, for your good word, and thank you, Lord, for this day. We bless you, and in the name of Jesus Christ, we all pray, amen. Amen, amen. See, the year is 95 AD. All the apostles have been martyred, every single one of them, except for the apostle John. He's been exiled to the island of Patmos, and he's there because of his faith and his perseverance before the Lord. And it's on this island that in Revelation chapter 1, he has this amazing encounter with Jesus. And, and the Bible says that in chapter 1 that he falls at the feet of Jesus as, as though he was dead. And Jesus picks him up and he begins to speak to him and he begins to say some things. And when we read it, it seems so mysterious and so prophetic of things to come. But I want to explain some things to you over the course of this series and help it break it down. What does that mean for us today? You see, Jesus opens up by describing these seven stars and these seven lampstands. I have this image here. I want you to get this, this picture of it. Where he says that he holds the seven stars in his right hand. And he's walking among the seven lampstands. And then Jesus goes on to explain that the seven stars that he has in his right hand are the angels of the churches. And he holds the angels of the churches in his right hand. And then he says that the seven lampstands are the actual churches. Nobody can see like God can see the things that are going on around us. And so as he holds the seven stars, the seven angels, the seven pastors, the seven spiritual leaders of these churches, he holds them in his hands. And he walks among the churches and he looks at the churches and he evaluates the churches and he sees what they're doing good and what they're not doing good and he walks among them. He begins to explain what each of these mean and he describes these seven churches beginning in Revelation chapter 2 verse, and, and, and chapter 3. I have this picture here I want you to see in the next slide. This is Asia Minor. Here are the seven churches that God says that he walks among. And he's looking and he's evaluating and he's bringing his description of what he's seen. And this morning, we're going to take a look at the church in Ephesus and what everything that God says he sees. He says, I see something very important to tell the church. He says, I see you. I see the good church. He says, I, 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 I see your efforts, I see your sacrifice, but I also see the bad. I see some churches and it's all good, and I see some churches and it's all bad, and I see some good in this church and some bad in this church, and a little mixture of both. And today as we dive into this very first church and this first lampstand of the book of Revelation, 
John is in this encounter with Jesus, and he's writing down, catching every detail. And we're going to look at it here in the book of Revelation, chapter 2, and verses 1 through 7. It says this, To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, These are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. As he, as he holds the, the spiritual leaders in his hand and he walks and evaluates, verse 2, it says this, I know your deeds, your hard work, your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not and have found them false, verse 3. It says, you have persevered and endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. You have been through battle and you've been through situation, but you have persevered. You have not given up. And then he gets into verse 4. But before I get into verse 4, let me ask you this question. Have you ever sat down with maybe your boss or supervisor or somebody and they, they said, you know what, uh, can you rate your own performance can you tell me how you've done with what I've given you? Can you, can you, how do you think you've done? Have you ever had a situation like that where somebody sat down with you and they asked you that question? See, this is not that. This is God telling the church, this is what I see and know. This is, this, this is what I have walked through the seven golden lampstands, and this is what I have evaluated in his wisdom and in his knowledge and from his perspective. And verse 4 says this, Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you have had at first. Consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you don't repent... I'll come to you and remove your lampstand from its place, right? I'll, I'll, I'll remove the church. I'll, if you don't, if it's not a church that's going to honor me, your church is just not going to exist anymore. This is this, but you have this in your favor. You hate the practices of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. Now, the Nicolaitans, let me just give you quickly, these were like a, a, like a heretical, heretical, heretical sect they called themselves Christians, but they were not. They seduced God's people into idolatry and into sexual immorality, and they really just disguised it as a license to sin because of freedom in Christ. Well, we have freedom in Christ. I get to choose Jesus, and I get to choose to make a decision we want. Jesus says you get to choose, and so, you know, and they led God's people into idolatry and into sexual immorality. And, and, and uh, God says in verse 6, he says, but you, I ha you have this in your favor that you hate the practices of these people who call themselves Christians and they're doing all these things and leading people in the wrong way. Verse 7, whoever has ears, and it's not talking about your physical ears, if you got ears, and I get it, we, we got ears here, but it's talking about can you hear God? Whoever has ears, let him hear what the Spirit, the Holy Spirit says to the churches, to the one who is victorious Right to the one who overcomes, to the one who, who, who does the right thing, I will give the right 
to eat from the tree of life. What's the tree of life? Going all the way back to the book of Genesis and the tree of life there in the center of the Garden of Eden, right? Eternal life, being able to live forever. I will give, the, uh, you, I will give you the right to eat from the tree of life, have eternal life, which is in the paradise of God in heaven. You'll be able to live eternity in heaven. You see, the letter to the church in Ephesus, it opens up with all of this recognition of their faithfulness to God. Yes, church, you've endured. Church, you've done a great job. Church, you've had all kinds of situations, but you've stuck it out together. You're continuing to serve the community. You've made these efforts. You're, 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 you're trying your best. You, 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 you are, you're, you're trying to stay focused on the mission. God says, listen, I even know the way that you, you, you recognize wicked people and they just don't want to turn from their sin. You've chased after them. You went after, you've left the 99 and went after the one. You've, you've outreached, you've served, you've prayed, you've fasted, you've, you've tried to bring them, you've evangelized, but they, they still want to refuse to have nothing to do with God. He, God says, I recognize that. I know your deeds. I know your hard work. I know your perseverance. I know these things and I know that you're trying to stand firm on the truth, but this is what I have against you remember this church is in the city of ephesus now what you need to know about this church in the city of ephesus is that they've had at least three good pastors they've had at least three good pastors this church they've had the apostle john they've had the apostle paul and they've also had timothy in in this church now the apostle john was the one who most likely brought christianity into the city of ephesus see in the book of acts chapter 2 when the holy spirit fell on them there was a great dispersion and then they all went out in different directions well the apostle john went out into ephesus and it was there that his ministry he began to preach the gospel people began to get saved and fall in love with god and it's there right there well in the book of acts chapter 19 we discover that on paul's third missionary journey he ends up in the city of ephesus and the bible says that he spends two and a half years in the city of ephesus and he's there and he begins to expand on the ministry there. He begins, the church begins to grow and begins to flourish and has all kinds of trials and tribulations. But Paul is there two and a half years. And after some things happen and some things go down and Paul is arrested, he eventually leaves and he goes north. Sometimes later, he sends Timothy there to this same city here in Ephesus. And we see that in the book of Ephesians and also in First and Second Timothy of the Bible, we see this, that Paul has sent Timothy to Ephesus, and he's doing good work there. Many theologians believe that Timothy actually becomes a bishop in this area and oversees the churches in this region. You see, this church in the city of Ephesus has had at least three good pastors. Now, the city of Ephesus, what I want you to understand as we get into this, is that the city of Ephesus was a huge idol worship city, very demonic very very demonic in the book of acts we see the demonic spirits are very strong in this area in this region there's so many different things take place as the as the as the apostle paul and others they preach the gospel they're faced with demonic spirits and it's 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 everywhere now the main idol of worship was artemis the temple of artemis was one of the seven wonders of the ancient world i have a slide here i want you to see People would come from all over the known world to worship here, to sacrifice here, to, to give to this, to this God. This God was called the Queen of Heaven. And people worshipped her for fertility, virginity, uh, for protection of childbearing. 
And in fact, in the book of Acts, chapter 19, verse 35, it says this, and this is the city clerk when the Apostle Paul has been arrested, gets up, and because there's a huge riot, says this in the book of Acts, chapter 19, verse 35, says this, people of Ephesus, this is recorded, his words are recorded, who in the world doesn't know that our city is the center for worshiping the great goddess Artemis? Who doesn't know? It had been known. It was one of the seven great wonders of the world. This is this. Who doesn't know that her image, which fell from heaven, is right here? They had carved this large female statue of Artemis, and people came to worship in hopes that they would become pregnant and have children, and all of this is taking place. And this is where the very first church in the book of Revelation, out of these seven churches, located. It's located in this demonic idol worship area where they have a lot of oppression they're dealing with all kinds of things and god says this listen i hold the seven stars in my right hand your spiritual leaders and and i'm walking among the seven golden lampstands and this is what i see from you church i see your perseverance i see your dedication i see that you're overcoming i see that you hate these wicked people i see that you, you you're, you're against the the practices of the nicolaitans but but i have this against you see you know what about god is god's not like man you're doing good in, in all these other areas so you know what i'm just going to turn my back on that other area that that you that you're doing like you're just trying to do that on the low like that's just happening in your life but God, god's not like that god is holy see god understands that the sin in our life separates us from him it hinders that connection and he says to the church because this is what i want us to understand it's not just about us individually walking out our journey with god we do that we have a personal relationship but we're also called to do life together as a church. We are a church. Our church is not this building. Our church is all of us. All of us here in this service and the service, it's, it's all of, it's us. We are the church, right? When one of us falls, we're all there to pick somebody up. When somebody's struggling in their home or their marriage, when, when, when somebody's, they're happening in their life, when somebody's got a medical, it's all of us praying and fasting it's all of us we are a church together when god says that he walks among the seven lampstands he's not just walking among seven people he's walking among everybody who's in that one church and he says this is this is what i have against you this is what i have against you god says you have forsaken the love you had at first See, in all of their focusing in trying to do the right thing, and he says, I see it, I see it, I see all your efforts, you've also lost the focus of your why. See, our why is here, church. Every day you get up and maybe you have a why on why you do what you do, but as a church, we also have a why. Why we gather, why we serve, why we're generous, why we, why we go out, why we come together, why we pray, why we, we have a why. And our why has everything to do with in response to our Heavenly Father and His love for us in the way that we've encountered Him. Why do what we do what we do? Because of everything that He is to us. 
He is our why on why we stick together. He is our why on why we persevere. He is our why when we're faced in the middle of temptation, we say no and we say, he is our why. We want this relationship to always be beautiful. God tells him, you've, God tells him, you've forsaken the love you had at first. What is he talking about? In Luke chapter 10, verse 27, it says this, and he answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. Two things, love God, love people. Love God, love people. Those, those, those two things, love God, love people. Now, many of you, you, you drive a car and you maybe have indicator lights on your car, right? And you'll, you'll, you'll drive and maybe you got these things that all of a sudden light up on your dashboard. Something lights up on my dashboard right away. I call Brother Charles Brown. Brother, hey, brother, man, I got this light. I don't even know. <laughs> I'm not sure. But you should learn. I have an image I want you to show you. Check out this there with the... the uh, the next one, yeah, and and so some of those we we don't we don't know what half of those mean. I don't even know what those mean, but I'm really grateful for the one that has the gas lights. I don't know if you've ever ran out of gas, but I've ran out of gas plenty of times, and in my mind gets thinking I'm going, I'm going, but I was so grateful. I had an older car before; it didn't really it didn't, didn't do that. But the one I got now, the gas light the image will pop on like that, and. And I'm so grateful for that. I could imagine if I didn't have an indicator in my life uh, or in my, in my car, I'd, I'd probably have to fill up my gas and I'd have to know, I'd have to read the manual in the book. And it says, well, you can drive so many miles and then you know that you'll be out of gas. So I've got to watch the miles. I've got to watch the miles. Okay, oh, I'm getting close. I'm going, oh, oh my. You know, and, I, and I'm losing focus and I'm probably running out of gas. Or I see people on the side of the road, I'm like, they weren't watching the miles you know, and then click, 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 and then I'm not watching the miles either. We're both on this side of the road. But I'm so grateful for indicators. See, indicators let us know, hopefully before it's too late, just like the gas one. It'll let us know that, hey, you got to make a change. Hey, you, you, you got to add some fuel to the tank. You, 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 have to, you have to change something. Indicators are important. You see, just like the church in Ephesus, what are the indicators that you've forsaken the love you've had at first so a few indicators i'm going to give you just some things maybe you put some notes there in the app or writing on the side of your paper or just typing it down but do you wake up and go to bed thinking about god do you think about this relationship does it cross your mind do you think about you and him is is this is this something hey hey i'm excited because i mean we're talking now but we have some scheduled time later where it's just going to be you and me like, do you, got, do you talk? Do you think about the relationship? Do you look forward to alone time with him? When, 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 you, when you have time with God, do you struggle to leave it? Are you always looking for opportunities to tell others about God? Are you always looking for ways to, to serve God because you know just how much he's done for you? Are you asking yourself how you can believe God for greater things than you've done before? Are you more concerned about his kingdom than your own? Some indicators. Indicators of first love. See, it can be so easy to get distracted. It can be so easy to get caught up with life and the busyness and what I got to do and I got to handle this and I got to do that and this is happening this week and, and next week I got that or, or uh, you know, I got these appointments and all these things. But what holds greater value? What holds greater value? See, if not forsaking the love we had at first is so important to him, 
And what can we do about it? What can we do about it? Just three quick things I want to tell you. See, God tells the church three things in verse 5. He says this, consider how far you've fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you don't repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. I'll remove your lampstand. There's the, I'm walking among, oh, no. You guys are just, it just, have you seen a church fall apart? Have you seen it just not last, not endure, not grow, not be healthy? He says, he says I'll, just, I'll just come and remove your lampstand from its place. So what, so what can we do about it as the church in 2021? Quick three, three quick things I want to share with you this morning. Number one, consider how far you've fallen. Evaluate your heart for God and his people. Evaluate your heart for God and his people. How do you feel toward God? Genuinely, where are you at this morning together as a church? How, how, how do you feel about you and God? Secondly, how do you feel about you and God's people? How do you feel about them? How do you feel about them? How do you feel, uh, again, I'm not talking about a building, but I'm talking about the church, the people. How do you feel about God's people? See, the truth is, man, we all need Jesus. I needed Jesus yesterday, I need Jesus today, and I'm going to need him tomorrow. I'm going to mess up without Jesus. I'm just, I'm going to. It's, I, my, my flesh, it just ain't that strong. I'm going to mess, I, I need Jesus in my life, right? We, 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 we need him. Haggai chapter 1 verse 7 says this, this is what the Lord Almighty says, give careful thought to your ways, consider your ways. If you never give thought to your actions or to your ways, we can easily lose our way. We can easily cozy up with the, with the wrong perspective or attitude or way of doing something or, and, and, and be completely doing the wrong thing. And we don't think nothing of it, in fact we justify it, it's, it's just normal, but is that right with God? Is that right with God? God's saying, think about you and I. Think about the relationship, our relationship. So you know what a strong, intimate relationship looks like. You know what a healthy relationship looks like, what it's supposed to be, what it's supposed to be like. He says, is that us? Is that what our relationship is, is like? Would that describe us? God says, think about the way that a parent would want its child to get, a, get along with its other siblings. Does that describe you with the family of faith? Is, 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 that, is that what it looks like for you? I want you to see what the Bible says. I'm going to read you four verses here all together. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 12, it says this. There's a, path that, there's a path before each person that seems right, but in the end, but it ends in death. Isaiah chapter 5, verse 21. What sorrow for those who are wise in their own eyes and think themselves so clever. Proverbs 21, verse 2. People may be right in their own eyes, but the Lord examines their heart. Proverbs 12, 15. The way of fools seem right to them, but the wise listen to advice. See, there are so many of the same warnings in Scripture. Why? Why? Because it's so easy to do what you feel and think is right and justify it and be completely off. I'm trying to walk with the Lord, but there's these areas of my life that I've just, I've made excuses for, or I've justified, and now they become part of me, but I'm trying to walk with Jesus, but the, I'm walking with these things, and I haven't evaluated them, 
I haven't looked at my heart. Is that right? Is that right before God? I just left him there. And listen, we're not going to be perfect. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to walk with Jesus and we're going to fall. But I've told you, we've got to get back up. That is completely different from just justifying it and just saying, hey, that's all right. That's just how I do. God knows we're cool. And I, he, he, he just knows that this is kind of my, this is my thing. That's, that's different. That's different. See, how do we make sure not to forsake the love we've had at first? That passionate love for God and his people. Number one, evaluate our heart for God and his people. Secondly, to repent, to express your intentions and desire to honor God. To express your intentions and desire to honor God. See, when we talk about repenting, before the Lord, we're really talking about three things and these quick little three-step, three points that I want to give you this morning. See, repenting begins with acknowledging my specific sin, my, my specific sin. It's not just, God, would you forgive me for the wrong things I've done? Hey, that's like maybe a, a, a step in the direction, but that's, that's not repentance. See, repentance says, God, this is what I did. God, I want to acknowledge what I did and how it's affected me, how it's affected the people around me. It's, it's taking ownership. It's acknowledging what happened, what you did, what part you played in it. Secondly, it's asking for forgiveness. Right? All of this is a place of humility before the Lord because he's worthy of it all. And so I, I come before the Lord and I ask him, God, would you forgive me? God, would you forgive me? Because I understand how the sin messes with this. And I want this good. I want this good, God. So listen, I, could you forgive me for the way that I've offended you? Because sin offends God. So God, would you, would you forgive me? Because listen, I, listen I, it happened, God. Or I've been doing it, but I don't want to. God, would you, would, you, would you forgive me? And thirdly, declaring your desire to not do it anymore. That's so important. It's a declaration. You're saying, God, this is what it's been. This is what I've participated. Please forgive me. And how I, I, don't want, I don't want that. I, I just don't. And not that you'll never fall into it, not that you'll never make another mistake, not that, not, 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 but you are saying, God, I repent of this. I do not desire this in my life. See, the Bible describes the opposite of repentance in Hebrews 10, 26. It says this, Dear friends, if we deliberately continue sinning after we have received knowledge of the truth, there is no longer any sacrifice that'll cover these sins. Whoa. Whoa, let me just step back over here and this here for a second. That's, that's major. That's major. This, this is the Bible. I, what, Jesus is like, he forgives for once and for all and everything, absolutely. If you make a mistake and you fall and you get down and you get back up, God forgive absolutely. His arms are wide open. He's got space for you. But the minute you're just like, no, no, God knows this is what I do, I do. It says, it says, comma, there is no longer any sacrifice that will cover these sins. That's major. That's, that's, that's major. You know, I really love tea. Some of you guys know that I love tea. I'm a a tea guy. I don't, I don't drink coffee. Not at all. You give me a Starbucks gift card, I hand it right over to my wife. And she'll say, thank you, yes, please. 
but uh, but I, but but I, but I but I but I like tea. Oh, they have tea too. So yeah, I mean, you know, I, I just I, I just like a, a Moroccan mint tea, and I'm good to go. You know, anyways. But I love tea. The other day, I'm putting on some some tea, and I you know fill it up, put a bunch of water in it, get the stuff in there, and or make it a tea. Some cinnamon sticks. I threw, you know, my wife. She, anyways, I put it on, and on the tea kettle, you you got the little thing the the little lid piece, not the lid on the top, but the other one so that it makes it whistle. Some of you, do you know this? I just, you know, I don't know. You know, I just, I, yeah, I know, but I don't know what was happening that day. Maybe it was perfect because I needed to tell you this this morning. I don't know. So I, I just, I just, I put it on and it's on and, you know, I never heard the thing whistling. It just, it was, it wasn't whistling, wasn't going on. I'm like, okay, you know, it's probably not ready. You know, I'm just, I don't know if the Kings game was playing the other day, but I, I was into that. And, and um, you know, after a while, I said, you know what? I'm going to go check on that thing. Maybe I didn't put it on right. Maybe I turned on the wrong burner. I, you know, maybe, you know, you know, I was focused on something else. And so I go over there and to check. And no, it was, it was, it was the tea kettle was hot, everything like that. I'm like, okay, so I go to pour it and there's no tea. <laughs> it had all steamed out. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. I wasn't expecting that. Seriously, I was not, ex- I didn't know it was a thing. Like I knew, but I didn't know. Like I didn't consciously know that that could even happen. Okay, all I had in there were a bunch of cinnamon sticks. And it was just, and I'm like, oh my, how? I was, I was, I literally had a moment of confusion. Can we go back to that passage real quick, James? But there is no longer any sacrifice that will cover these sins. It will all steam out. It will all be gone. It won't be available. There's, there's nothing left when, when you knowingly, deliberately choose to do this. The Bible says this here in 1 John 1.9. It says this, But if we confess our sins to Him, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. God's like, listen, listen, child of mine, I got you, but you got to bring it to me. You got to bring it to me. Be specific. Ask for forgiveness, and it's yours. It's yours. He's like, I'm ready to give it. Just say the word, and it's yours. I'll forgive you. There's room for you in my house, says the Lord. But you got to do it. But, but you got to do it. He's, he's, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us. He's good and he's, he's faithful. Even if it happened, brothers and sisters, right before church this morning, or even if you've made plans in your mind, your heart, to do it right after church today, or maybe it's your perspective towards him, or maybe it's the way you've seen the family of faith, but he'll forgive you. Express your desires and your intentions to honor God. So how do I make sure that I don't forsake the love that I've had at first? Number one, evaluate your heart toward God and his people. Number two, repent, express your intentions and desires to honor God. And number three, the last thing that I want to share with you this morning is this, do what you did at first. Do what you know you should. Do what you know you should. Man, I love that the Bible was always pointing us to action. I love that the Bible is always pointing us to, to do. It's not just this philosophical and gives us this ideas and something to think about, and it does. It gives me plenty to think about, but it also challenges us to do. 
It also puts us into action. There's always this challenge to grow, to mature in our faith. Jesus says this in John 14, 15, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. If you love me, you'll keep my... So, see the challenge? Do, do, do you see the challenge? of? If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. See the action steps there? The Bible says this in James chapter 4, verse 17. It says this, it is a sin to know what you ought to do and then not to do it. It's a sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. That's what sin. If you know that this is what you should be doing, but you're like, eh, nah. Then that's a sin. That's a sin. You know, one day I did some reflecting, not too long ago actually, about my relationship with, with my kids. And I was thinking about my son Jonah, my, my daughters, Arabella and Ariella. And I was just thinking about them and me with them. And, one day, I, I just thought to myself, you know, I'm kind of tired. I'm tired from all the work I do, and I'm tired from all these things. But I was thinking, you know what? But, but my son needs, needs to know what a man of God does. He, he needs to know that. He needs to see it. He, he needs to do that. And my daughters, they need to know what a man of God looks like, how he uh, speaks to them, how he respects them, how he responds to them. And I remember my, my, my two older ones, Arabella and Jonah, and I remember when they were first born and I, I loved every moment with them. I, 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 it, was just, it was just special, especially in those early moments. And then I just got so caught up in ministry and just serving and giving and pouring out and, and pouring out and, 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 and doing all these things. And I got caught up in this for a long time. And then when my daughter Ariella was born, my, my third child, my, our last baby, amen. But when my third daughter Ariella was born, God used her to wake a lot up in me, a lot, to really become self-aware of my relationship with them. See, not to forsake what he called me to do in serving you all and, and, and doing all these things, but not to also forsake what he's called me to do with them either. And see, as we look at this church in Ephesus, this was exactly what was happening in the church of Ephesus. God says, listen, you've been doing all the good. You've been making all the efforts. You've been about it in the community. You've been doing all these things, but you've forsaken the love you had at first. You've been so caught up in all these things, but you're, you're missing this. This has to be the priority. When you wake up, when you go to sleep, in the middle of your day, that time, we're going to have that time. It's going to be so good. It's going to be, yes. your love for each other love each other serve each other come alongside each other speak life into each other believe for each other so here's my challenge and we'll pray ask yourself about the love god is asking of each of us ask yourself about that love where do you need to grow and what will you do what will you do